great day to be in the Lord's house. Uh, the other place to put your marker would be Hebrews. Every time I say the word Hebrews, I think about James uh, Hoggins. So if you didn't know James Hoggins, you missed a real treat. You came on board too late. If you knew him very well, you'll never forget him. Won't it be a glorious day when we see James in heaven? What a glorious day. So you'll need to be, uh, most of our scripture text is in the book of Psalms and Hebrews. Uh, otherwise, uh, you won't have any problem uh, catching up. How many of you uh, adults, how many of you know those Christmas songs? Hold, hold your hand up if you know these Christmas songs that we're singing. All right. Did you learn them in school? All right. What, Laura, did, you, did y'all sing Christmas hymns? Lewis, in school? Probably, maybe not. So you see where we lost that? Okay, see, there's a separation of church and state. And when what the Constitution says, people believe to be a lie. The, the state was never to have any influence upon religion. Did you hear me? It's not that religion was not to have influence upon the state. And so everything you hear, if anybody anybody says anything about the separation of church and state, the people who got it right are always made out to be fools. This This was founded upon a Christian nation. It was founded upon God's Word. From the beginning it was influenced by who? Christians. And so the reason we don't sing hymns at school anymore, these young people, they've never experienced had a Christmas program where all they did was sing Christmas hymns because they've thrown out that banner, separation of church and state. So anyway, we get to sing them for five weeks, don't we? Four or five weeks, we get to sing them. Hallelujah, we can sing them. They want to come in here, shut the doors, they can try it, right? Psalm 95, thanksgiving. So I'll tell you where this message came from. It came from the day after Halloween, going into the city park, and we've already got up Christmas decorations. That's where it came from. And I thought to myself, is there not a holiday on November the 23rd this year that has, has and, and, and it, was, it was all in your program today, you'll get it next week, about what George Washington said about Thanksgiving, okay? And uh, people being grateful people. And so it'll be in there next week in Spanish and English both. I don't know what y'all will do this week for reading material. You don't have the program to read, okay? So uh, Paul has one and I have one. It, that thing over there, it gave one out. And I thought, well, what's wrong? It gave one more out and then it came up a code I couldn't get past. So we weren't to have it this week. So... So just think about it. this is a this is a move of the evil one to get us to the place that we're not even thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not even thankful that we're Christian people. It's it's just getting us to the place that we go right past being thankful to being a people who expect the government to meet all our needs. So that's where it kind of came from. It's it's a great psalm, and I read it this morning. I'm not going to read it again because we'll read every verse. But but I want to I want you to get 
two things that you've got to get out of this Psalms. Right, right off the bat, we must rejoice in Him, and we must praise Him, and we must worship Him. And we found out the last time that we looked at worship, uh, when we were in the a parable of the talents, in the parable, or not the, the parable, but the account of the sheep and the goats, worship really translates into service. So look, if we're going to be people of thanksgiving, we've got to rejoice in Him, we've got to praise Him, and we've got to serve Him. And if we don't, this is what will happen. We will turn from Him, and we will harden our hearts, because if we're not grateful, if we're not worshiping Him, praising Him, why would we not turn from Him? We would have no appreciation for Him. So it starts off with praise, and it talks about worship all, all down through verse, verse 6. And then in verse 7 it says, For our God, and we are the people, for He is our God, and we are the people of the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, it's important when you pick up God's Word, it's important when you come in here on Sunday morning that you rouse yourself to hear the preaching of God's Word. Because if you continue to come here without worshiping Him, praising Him, if you don't rouse yourself to hear the voice of God when you read God's Word or through the preached Word, here's what will happen. Look at verse 8. He says, do not harden your hearts. That's what will happen. Our hearts will become hardened against God. And that is a dangerous place to be. How dangerous was it for the people when they went out of Egypt? How, how, hard, how hard did their hearts get when they, they got mad at Moses because they didn't have water at Massah and at Meribah? Uh, what happened when he sent the ten spies into the promised land? They hardened their heart against God. That is not the place that we want to be. So how do we get past that? Don't we understand that we come together once a week because we're people, if we don't at least once a week remind ourselves that we have a God Almighty that we're to be worshiping and serving, we'll soon forget that. He gave us one, one day out of, the, out of the week to remember and to say thank you and praise you and to hear His people exhorted to go on with the Lord. One day a week, wasn't he good? He knew we couldn't make it a month. He knew once a year wouldn't do it. He thought one day a week is the way it should be done. Now listen, the greatest praise that any of us can give him is obedience to his commands. That is the way we, we say we love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We are obedient to what he tells us to do. The author of this psalm was David, and he affirmed it. So I want you to see right quick in Hebrews chapter 7. You got your Bibles there. You got your phone there. Whatever you got there. Look at Hebrews 4, 7. The author of this psalm was David, and the writer of Hebrews affirms it. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, so long afterwards in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That day is also for us. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a gospel presentation that continues to go on until our death or Christ returns. So it is for David, it's for the Old Testament people, it's for us. 
And it also has a reference to the, reference to the day of the Messiah. Listen to Hebrews 3, 7. We're talking about what's this psalm all about. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, today, today, you can hear God's voice through the reading of and the preaching of God's Word and the Spirit of God. You can hear God's voice today. You can hear from God. How do you know you've heard from God? It changes who you are, and you become a person that wants to do what God's telling you to do. Hebrews 4, 4 through 9. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain today, a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That is a danger. Hardening our hearts is a danger for all people. It's a danger for God's people. We don't want to get to that place. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Do we, not, we have another day of rest coming? An eternal rest we have it coming. They miss going into the promised land. We surely don't want to miss that eternal rest that God has for us. We're not there yet. We're not in that day of rest yet. But that day of rest is to come. So this psalm is an invitation to all mankind to give to God that praise, worship, and obedience which He demands. He demands it. So you're in Psalm 95. So let me, let me just read a couple of verses and give you a little thought about it. In this psalm, we have an exhortation to praise God. Listen to verses 1 and 2. Are y'all listening? Oh, come, let what? Us sing to the Lord. I think you've got to open your mouth, move your lips, probably move your tongue around a little bit, make some noise, sing to the Lord. Amen? Why? Because look at this. He's what? He's the rock of our salvation. Praise the Lord. He is our salvation. If we have salvation, let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful song to Him with songs of praise. So we are to sing praises to Him. We are to exhort praise to God. Now why would we do that? For we're going to look in verses 3 through 7. He has great power. He has goodness and tenderness to His people. Listen to verses 3 through 7. For the Lord is a what? Y'all help me with those little words. Great God. He is worthy of our praise. And a great King above what? All gods. You see that? All gods. That's a little g on those all gods. He is the only God. In His hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for He made it. On His hands formed the dry land. Everything we see, everything we made is from the hand of God. So He is worthy of our praise. So verse 6, it goes back to worship. So come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Listen, I think it's a good thing. Wouldn't it be a good thing not just one day a week, but wouldn't it be a good thing every day if you knelt 
your knee to the Lord before you got started? I've told you about the guy that was in jail. He never went to prison, but he was in jail. And he said, I don't know if he still does it today or not. I need to check and find out if he does. I happen to have his phone number. He said while he was in jail, somebody taught him that he needed to put his shoes underneath the bunk. So when he got out of the bunk, he had to get on his knees to get his shoes out from under it. And while he was on his knees, he might as well acknowledge that God Almighty is God. That's a good place to start praising the Lord. On your knees. Acknowledge Him as God Almighty and you're you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That's a good place to start your day. Verse 7. For what? Let me ask you. Can you say that with any boldness? For He is my God. He is our God. We are the people of His pasture. We are His sheep. What a privilege. Worthy to be praised is He. That he would even consider us to be the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. And then we get into that little bit of a warning today. Here, listen, you came here this morning, but there's absolutely no guarantee you're going to hear. And if you're not going to hear, you might as well stay in the bed. But I think we are also accustomed to picking and choosing what we tune into and what we don't tune into, that if we're not careful, we'll never tune in when we get here. We've got to rouse ourselves to hear. Today, if you hear his voice. And then in verses 8 and 9, are we not a stubborn people? Come on now. Are we not stiff-necked? Can we not be obstinate at times? If you, if you don't know it, go back and read about those people that he led out of Egypt after those 40 years that saw those miracles and getting out of there, saw the Passover lamb, saw all of that, saw the Egyptian army uh, destroyed, and a few days later, their hearts have already hardened. That's our tendency. That's why we've got to stay in the Word. That's why we've got to stay in tune with Him in prayer, that we don't have a hardened heart. It can happen just like that. Verse 8, Do not harden your hearts at Meribah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness. You know what happened? They, they didn't have any water. They were, they were already grumbling. They were already trying to find somebody to take them back to Egypt. Remember Moses struck the rock? That's what he's talking about. It's that time. They they had just experienced what we would still consider some of the greatest uh, miracles in the whole world in their coming out of Egypt. Look at this. When your fathers put me to test, whose fathers? Our fathers put him to test. And put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. Listen, do you not see what God did in your life? He took you not only from, he took you from being a dead sinner, made you alive in Christ, gave you a new heart and a new spirit, and put you on a different path. He deserves your praise. Otherwise, you'd been headed on a path to an eternal 
destiny of hell. So, verse 10 says, this grieves the Lord. We don't want to grieve the Lord. We're not even to grieve the Holy Spirit. Does it not say that? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are my people who go astray in their heart. Look at verse, the last part of verse 10. They've not known my ways. Listen. This is the absolute truth. This contains the ways of God. Got to dig them out. Young people, if you have mom and dads that are trying to teach you, listen to them. If not, you need to get in the Word. These are the ways of God. They're still the ways of God. They'll continue to be ways of God. Verse 11, Therefore I swore in my oath, Sorry, I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Uh, so they rebelled, and, and then when they got up to the doors of the promised land, I, I haven't yet got it in my mind why Moses decided to send the exhibition, uh, exhibition over there, but he sent the 12 spies. You remember those guys? And they went over there, and they brought back all these grapes and all this fruit. They brought it, and they talked about how great the land was and all of that. And, but, but two of them said, we, we can do it. And the other, the other ten said, we can't do it. You remember? They said they're too big, they're giants, we can't do it. Yet they knew what God had done on bringing them out of Egypt. So then he, he swore by an oath. None of this generation will enter the promised land into the place of rest. So he swore by an oath it wasn't going to happen. So... It was surely written by David, and it was spoken by David, and it was also to be spoken by us in the day of the Messiah. Again, Hebrews 4, 7. Again, he appoints a certain today, certain day, today saying, through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, listen, today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your hearts. Today, if he's drawing you to repentance, if today he's born, he, he has, uh, he's speaking to you to be born again, to become a follower of Jesus, don't harden your hearts. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm really fearful, and, and, and I really wish we had put more emphasis on the salvation of children because I think the world is having so much influence upon our young people that it is easy for their hearts to be hardened by the lies of the world. You listen, young people, before your hearts are hardened, become followers of Jesus. Give your life to the Lord. Believe what you want to about Christianity. I have read the Bible a couple of times. There is a heaven and hell, and regardless of what other people might say, you're going to have eternity in one of those two places. Bottom line, stop all the discussion, all the theories, all the intelligence and all of that. The bottom line is there an eternity in one of two places. 
It speaks of a gospel day. A day in which God speaks to us by His Son in a voice, the Word of God. A voice in which we should listen to. God says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Trust in Him. Follow Him. A voice in which we should listen to. And speaks of a rest greater than a rest associated with entering Canaan. Listen, going into the promised land into Canaan was nothing compared to the rest of an eternity in heaven. And I'll just say this, from just our little short look at hell a couple of weeks ago. Listen carefully. If there is a hell, and the Bible teaches there that there's one, there will be no rest. Some of you, Tom and Margaret, they've had five grandkids and all their families for the last two days. There wasn't much rest. And you know, you've been in that place that you just couldn't hold your eyes open. You were absolutely exhausted. And what did you need? You needed eight or ten hours of what? Good sleep. Won't be none of that in hell. That is absolutely frightening exhausted, but nowhere to go. And so all of the writing of Hebrews is a warning. Do whatever you do, can do. Do not harden your heart. Do not miss the eternal rest that heaven provides. Don't do it. Don't take a chance. So we are exhorted to make melody to the Lord. And I'll tell you, wow, uh, over there next door this morning, I, I never could get on. Y'all, y'all know, I, y'all probably find this hard to believe. Occasionally I do get on tune, or at least I kind of get along with everybody. I just couldn't find it over there this morning. Listen, but we're to make a melody to the Lord. Look, and we're to be excited to make melody to the Lord. It shouldn't be a drudgery to get through a call to worship and worship in church. It should not be a drudgery because He is a great God and He is worthy to be worshipped and we are to be gracious towards Him. Why? Because I'm a sinner and He's the Savior and He died for my sins. That, That should spur us up to worship Him. Number two, that we should teach and admonish ourselves to hear God's voice. Listen, when you read God's Word, do you not have to train yourself to pay attention and listen and understand? You've got to do the same thing here. You've got to train yourself to listen, to hear the preaching of God's Word, to do what God would have us to do. We are not to harden our hearts. Because if we do, we incur the wrath of God and will not enter that eternal rest. Do not harden your hearts. A hard heart against God will not go into heaven. So let's look a little closer at the verses, mostly Scripture. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. He speaks to the Israelites whose backwardness to this work in the times of the gospel was foreseen by the Spirit of God 
which dictated this psalm. So way back then, looking back at the Israelites and going into the promised land, he also looked forward to the gospel time when people would reject God. He saw it coming. Psalms 89, 26, He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God. Y'all read these words with me every time I come to it. There's three or four verses. The what? The rock of my salvation. Psalms 1, oh, you, you don't have them, I'm sorry. You'd have to look at them all up. Just forget that. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Deuteronomy 32, 15. But Jeshurun, Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, stout and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him. I think that's where America's at. We've got fat. We've got stuff. We've got oversleeped. We have forgotten God. And let me tell you why. Because the government has said this, we're here to help you. All you need is the government. Well, I tell you, the government has nothing to do with you getting to heaven. They probably have a whole lot to do with you getting to hell. You need God. You need God in America. Without God in America, you will not go to heaven. 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-seven. 47. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock. If you have a rock, it's Christ. If you don't have Christ, you don't have a rock. You may have a stone. You may have a pebble, but you don't have a rock. And exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. 1 Corinthians 10, 4. And all drank the same spiritual drink. Man, I love this scripture. I, I'm telling you, I, the first time I read this scripture and, re, and knew what it was talking about, it just blew me away. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Wow, I love that scripture. Number two. Is anybody alive here today? I told y'all. I told you in the text. To rouse yourself out of that overeating coma. Did I not tell you that last night? You ought to read your text. I told you. I knew this was coming. Rouse yourself out of that coma that you put yourself in by eating too much and get ready to worship the Lord and hear God's word preached. I warned you. Count yourself warned. It happens. Verse 2, let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Look, don't come slouching in here on Sunday morning. Don't come in here late on Sunday morning. Come in here early, excited, looking forward to what's going to happen. Somebody say amen. So some of you, that's the only time during the week you come. So get here early. Act like you're glad you're here. Come on now. Just a little exhortation. Church starts at 1050. Really, it started at 9.30 this morning. Some of you hadn't even opened your eyes by then. Church started then. Psalms 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Are y'all listening? Micah 6.6, 6, with what shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before God on high. Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings? With your old calves? No. Come before Him with praise and worship and with obedience. That's what He wants. He's got all the calves on a thousand hills. Amen. Service to God is not dead ceremony, but it's praise. 
Thanksgiving in service, service. Just remember, faith without works is dead. We covered that last week. And by the way, if you have not shared that message with anybody, you ought to. Did you hear me? There's a lot of confusion about faith and works. And I believe it was touched by God, that message on faith and works. You need to share that with people. Okay? Faith saves, works doesn't save, but there's a connection. It's on the website. All you got to do is click on that link and share it with somebody. You share everything else with people. Share it with them. It, it, it really it, it edified me when I went back and studied. Now, I'll tell you what happened. I had to preach it again in the jail, and I thought, well, this was better than I thought it was. Praise the Lord. Faith without service is dead. I should come before him. How should I come before him? With thanks and praise and looking to be obedient, along with willful and joyous service. Worship is service. We got that sweet note from Miss Deloise. When somebody is down and out, when somebody's without, we have an opportunity to serve. And all of this does what? It invites his presence where? Among us. Verse 3, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, greater than all so-called gods, angels and kings, especially the false gods and idols of the world that, you remember those false, you remember that Dagon? It was Dagon, was it? They set their idol Dagon up and they came in the first day and he had fallen over, right? He came in the second day and he had fallen over and his arms and his head was gone. That's all an idol is. It has no power whatsoever. And we have our idols. They were all forced to make way to the true God. We are to acknowledge and worship the true God alone. No other is worthy of our worship. Psalm 96.4 For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Psalm 97.9 for you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Y'all know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about God Almighty, the God of creation, our God. That's who I'm talking about. Psalm 139.5, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Do you know what it's talking about? It is he who guides, directs you, puts a path of protection around you and keeps you from the evil one. Verse 4, in his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountain, are his also. Listen carefully. As I let Pablo catch up just a tad. All the earth is in his hand under his government. All things are under his providence. The strength of the hills, the strongest or highest mountains are under his feet at his disposal. And the sense of all this is this. All the parts of the earth, whether high or low, this being so makes it natural that all the nations of the earth be brought to the acknowledgement of Him. Everything points to our saying, You are God Almighty. Psalms 135.6 Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. Just take that one home and chew on it today. Let me tell you, that is true or he is not God. 
Verse 5, the sea is his, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land. Genesis 1, 8 through 10, and God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that are gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was what? Let me remind you, if God made it, what can he do with it? Did y'all hear me? Would that include each one of us? Absolutely. Verse 7. Nope, I'm, I am so glad I went back. I was about to get, forget, forget verse 6. Oh, come, let us do what? Worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Let me tell you again, this week it would be good practice to start your morning on your knees. And if Jeannie can get on her knees in the morning, you can. Now, somebody may have to help you up, but I'd say you can get on your knees. That could be a trick. Uh, if we found out it was a trick for Jeannie when she got down on the floor to do her exercises. The trick wasn't getting down in the floor. The trick was how you're going to get up. But we worked that out too, amen? I tell you what, you get down on the floor and you call me or text me and tell me you got down on the floor praying to the Lord first thing in the morning, I'll get some people to come get you up. That's a promise, okay? Just have your cell phone so you can call me. It's a good place in the morning to start your morning on your knees. Which means that even in gospel times, God is to be glorified in worship. Listen, should we not be much more appreciative of those people who came out of Egypt? They didn't have Jesus. They did. They, they just had to see him differently than we saw him. Are you with me? We got the whole story except the last chapter or the last event in the last chapter. All the thing we don't have. We don't have. We ought to worship Him with our bodies and our souls. And what all this means is that, that we are to give ourselves wholly to the Lord. Tom and I have been spending a whole lot of time with what's it look like for people to love the Lord? It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And we all know that we all fall short of that. But we ought to be working on it, right? Before I forget it, <clears throat> when they went into Canaan, and I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna preach on this the first year, so I won't give the whole sermon. Okay, when they when they went into the Promised Land, there were still some people. There were still some things they had to get rid of, right? All of us have still got those things in our life that we've got to get rid of. We're, we're still in a battle. There, there are Canaanites among us this morning. There are Canaanites in our life. Just remember that. We'll look at that another time. 2 Chronicles 20, 33, During his reign, however, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines, and the people never fully committed themselves to following the God of their ancestors. I just have to be honest with you this morning. I think that's my problem. I hadn't got rid of all my idols. And you know what? I ought to identify them one by one, amen, and be getting rid of them. 
I think I got one or one. I got, well, I'm getting rid of one yesterday I started. Jeannie doesn't even know it yet. It's a big one. It's a big one. Oh, it's not some gross sin or something. It's an idol. It's something that's important to me. Well, it surely don't need to be what? Too important. Amen? It's not, it's not God. It's not you. It's not Jeannie. It's not my kids. Well, I'll figure a way out of that one day. Okay, so we're in verse 7. Yeah. For he is what? Verse 7 in Psalms 95. For he is what? Our God. Is he? If he is our God, we are the people of his what? Pastor. And the what? Sheep of his hand. If he is our God, that's what he is to us. We... He, is, he gives us our pastor. We are his sheep. Listen to this next part. Today, if there's no guarantee that you came here this morning, there's no guarantee tomorrow when Jeannie and I pick up the daily Bible reading that we're going to hear. Noise is not hearing. Hearing, you've got to hear it, process it, and decide what you're going to do with it. The people of his pastures, the one he feeds and keeps. Somebody say, men, the one he feeds and keeps. The sheep of his hand, under his special care, conduct, and government. We prove to be his and that we hear his voice. We come when he calls. The Israelites and now us must understand and consider that God's presence and favor are not an absolute. Did y'all hear that? His favor upon us is not an absolute. It does depend upon how we react to Him. You can't can't just go on in willful sin and disobedience and not listen to God and think that you have His favor. You may have His salvation, but you don't have His favor. Psalm 66, 15. You want to write that down? John 9, 31. Talks about those people that he hears their prayers. So the Israelites missed his coming. I'm talking about the Messiah. What? He came to his people and they they did what? They missed him. We cannot miss him. We've got to continue to stir ourselves up to listen to continual obedience. Hebrews 3, 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear His voice. Did you hear that? If you hear His voice. Hebrews 3.15, as it is said, today, if you what? Don't you think we ought to learn to hear God's voice? Don't you think we ought to, to learn to listen to God? Listen to what He's saying over and over. If you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Hebrews 4, 7, again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying, through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Sure, David was speaking to those voices, speaking to these words. The, the, the ones in, in the prom, coming, waiting to go into promised land were to hear his voice. But we are to hear his voice today. Verse 8 and 9, do not harden your hearts at, as the Meribah, as on the day, or 
as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they'd seen, they'd seen my work. It's a serious thing to put the Lord to a test. You, you know what they did? They presumed that if they were disobedient, that they would still go into the promised land. Didn't happen, did it? Do not harden your heart by unbelief. Do not harden your heart in disobedience. Do not harden your heart by resisting the Holy Spirit as you provoke the Lord in the wilderness. We're not going to read Exodus 17, 1 through 7, but we've, we've covered it already. They complained that they didn't have this. They complained they didn't have that. The people were ready to stone Moses. Moses struck the rock and water came out. They tested the Lord even though, listen, they tested the Lord even though they were those that came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea. Y'all with me? Y'all get this picture? We're not talking about 2,000 years ago. We're talking about a few days ago, a few weeks ago, a few months ago. They saw God deliver them from Pharaoh, crossed the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, they reject him and his leader for them, Moses. So don't think it can't happen to us. If we continue to harden our hearts, we will continue to turn away from the Lord. We've got to stir ourselves up to worship, to praise, and to obedience. After so much evidence of God's power and goodness to them, somebody say to us, Do you not know what Christ came from heaven to do? He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sins. Don't you see that? So let's think about his works for just a second. Mercy towards me and you. Mercy towards the Israelites. Do you think about his works? How about justice towards the Egyptians? He's a just God. The great work of bringing his people out of Egypt, he did it with a strong hand. He got them across the Red Sea. He led them into the wilderness. All the while, he destroyed their enemy. Listen. Those enemies that we still got to put away? Right? There's some, there's some, is, there anybody, is anybody else that's still got some enemies in their life, sin, that they got to put away? Listen, as we start towards them in obedience to God's word, one at a time, he'll just put them away. But we've got to walk towards them. We've got to be determined that we're going to kill out those things in our life that would lead us to hardness of heart and unbelief. We've got to trust. Psalm 78, 18. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. Hmm. 7840, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. You know what? I'm guilty as you are. It should break our hearts when we grieve the Holy Spirit. And we ought to ask God, God, break my heart when I grieve you. Psalm 7856, yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies. 1 Corinthians 10, 9, we must not put God 
No, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. You remember those? Complained against Moses. He sent those fiery serpents. We don't need to do that. Numbers 14, 22, None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice. We are people that are likely to be hard-hearted and put the Lord to test. That's why it's so important that we're daily in the Word, we're daily in prayer, we're daily asking God to show us our sinfulness because we are people likely to hardness of heart. That's why we worship once a week. That's why we want to worship at every meal, be grateful at every meal. Verse 10, For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. That generation had lost all wisdom. Listen to the warning here. <laughs> what did, how did they go astray? What did they follow? Look at verse 10. What did they follow? Their what? Heart. All young people, do not believe that lie. Don't just follow your heart. Because I think the scripture is not going to come to me where it's at. The heart is what? Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. What did they do? They followed their own heart. I love this from one of the old guys. They erred in their heart. Just listen to this language. They erred in their heart. Their hearts were insincere. Somebody asked me the other day what it meant to be double-minded. An insincere heart. They were given to backsliding. You know what we could say there? We are given to what? Backsliding. Hey, I'm telling you, I've been walking with the Lord 40 years. We are prone to backsliding. Because it's easier to backslide off down that, that slope than to go up the slope. They did not rightly understand, duly consider, or seriously laid a heart. Listen, they had missed God's ways. Listen, we have missed God's laws and His statutes. I'm convinced in America we have missed the Ten Commandments. If we just went back to keeping the Ten Commandments, that'd fix a whole lot. How about abortion? Do what? Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not kill. Well, let me tell you what abortion is. It is no more health care or reproductive rights than a man in the moon. Abortion, taking the life of a baby in the womb, is murder. You can be forgiven, but that comes with asking for forgiveness, repenting from it, and doing everything you can to stop that evil. They had missed his laws and his statutes. They had forgotten or missed his works. Listen, don't forget what he did for you. I, I almost want to say forget what he did for those Israelites coming out of Egypt. No, go back and remember. Just remember what he's done in the past for all these different generations. But don't, do, don't forget what he did for you. <sighs> Acts 7.33 this man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. 
Verse 11, therefore I swore in my oath they shall not enter my rest. They would not enter the promised land. This is instruction for all generations to come, especially for the Jews who Christ would come to. And then for us today, listen, he warned the Jews, don't miss me. What'd they do? They missed him. He's warning you, don't miss me. Look, among, listen, you young people are here today, let's say they're 10 or 15. You don't know how privileged you are because there's millions of young people in this world your age that have never darkened to the doors of the church, have never heard God's word preached one time. You're privileged. I don't care if your mamas and daddies drug you here. You're privileged. Don't pass on that. We're not to follow in the same footsteps of them or for most of us, our mamas and daddies. We're not to follow in their footsteps of disobedience and unbelief. We are following the footsteps of belief and obedience, worship and service. Numbers 14, 23. They shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers, and none of these who despise me shall see it. They saw it, but they couldn't go in. Hebrews 4, 3. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. They didn't get to go into the promised land. Listen, the works for us to enter into that eternal rest has been done. Y'all hear me? It was done by Christ. The devil has been defeated. We have an eternal rest before us. Don't miss it. Take hold of it. Believe in it. So let me finish up. This is what we have here. We have an exhortation to praise God and thank God. We have an exhortation to worship God in here and also in service to Him. We have expectations to thank God for His governing of the world and His calling of the church unto Him. Thank you, Lord. We have a warning not to follow the rebellion of our Old Testament fathers or our recent ancestors. We are not to harden our hearts. Listen, people who do not ever believe in the Lord Jesus Christ do so because they harden their heart, are you listening, against what the Word of God says and they have, may have heard from people testifying to them and the preaching of God's Word. Do not harden your hearts. Young people, do not harden your hearts in rebelling against your parents. They do want to do you well. Do not harden your hearts and not come to Christ for salvation. Do not believe a lie. There is a life after death, and it's not as a dog or a cat. It is with a physical body, either worshiping God in heaven or a physical body in torment in hell. We need to be careful not to fall short of the promised rest. There is a promised rest for that, for us. It's in Hebrews, not coming, to, coming back to me. I should have looked it up. Be sure that we do not fall short. This is in, it's got to either be in 6 or 10. Because he's, he's almost warning them they could lose their salvation, right? And what we need to be sure is that we do not harden our, our heart. We don't even want to come close. We don't even want to come close to missing 
that eternal rest. We, we, shouldn't, we should make sure we don't do anything that might cause us to miss that rest. So what must we do? Remember this psalm is an invitation to mankind to give to God that praise, worship, and obedience, and service which He mandates, and more importantly, He deserves it. Anything we give to God, He deserves. We can't give Him enough for what He's given to us. Verse 7c says, Today, if you hear His voice, this psalm resonates with joyful praise and thanksgiving. But before we finish this psalm, we see a warning. Listen to the voice of God. Young people, you got drug here this morning. I am so thankful your parents made you come to church. I'm so thankful you got dressed. You, you look like that you've been up for a few minutes. I'm so glad you're here. But don't harden your heart. Ask your mama. Ask your daddy. I'm talking to you young people. Ask whoever brought you to church. Did Brother Bruce really speak the truth this morning? And you parents better be ready. <clears throat> so when, when they got into promised land, there were still Canaanites in their midst. They were often leading the Israelites astray and in by the way, tomorrow when you go to work, there's going to be a bunch of Canaanites there. People who are not followers of God. And they live to see you led astray. They rejoice. Gives them a little hope to lead you astray. <clears throat> Today there's still rabble. You know that bunch that came out of Egypt with them? They were not all followers of Christ. Listen carefully now. This may surprise some of you. In every gathering of the faithful, even when there was only 12, even when there was just 12, there was some rabble in the bunch. Even when there's a small gathering of supposedly the faithful, there are those who do not listen to God and who have no desire to know His way. Listen to me. Those are not the people you want to want to hang around. Let, let, me tell you, let me tell you what the warning is. They do not listen to God, and they have no desire to know His way. Even in your midst. They often do great damage and cause much trouble. They will always be here until God divides the tares and the wheat. Remember on that last day when He sends His angels out? They'll know the tares and they'll know the wheat. Even in this assembly of believers, <clears throat> there are always there those that are not real followers of Jesus. We are cautioned and warned that the unbelieving are always among us. So what should we do today? Do we begin to look around us and say, is that him? Is that her? Is that the one Brother Bruce is talking about? No. We just looked at this in the last couple of weeks. 
What do we do? We examine ourselves to make sure we're not one of those. What did all the disciples say? Is it me? Is it me? That's a good question. Not is it him. Did any of them point their finger at Judas? No. But they asked Jesus, what? Is it me? We need to make sure we're listening. We need to make sure of verse 8 in Psalms 95 that we do not harden our hearts. Young people, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at, you know, Jack and Jade and Mally and Joseph and Yael. I'll just quit there. James, Angela, Carolyn, Maricel. Do not harden your heart today even. Let me tell you why. Because you could harden your heart and never be visited again by God. That is the danger. We never know when he will visit us that last time. Adults, same thing. I promise you, it happens, it happens every day. It happens every time a church meets. There is somebody that says, no, I will not give my life to the Lord for the last time. It's just the truth. And I love you enough to tell you that. <clears throat> so realizing that, we must realize that sitting with us this morning... We have and will continue to have people who harden their hearts through known and willful sin and unbelief. But you know what? We've been extended grace, the favor of God to believe, to understand, to repent, and believe the gospel. That grace is extended right now. And if you feel like God's extended that grace to you, you do not need to leave here without talking to me or Tom or your parents right where you're at. Or grab Deanna or Brother Bob or Bob or Russ, somebody, and say, today I want to become a follower of Jesus. Today. Today, young people, this is a requirement. I am going to give my life to you. And you take it and do with it what you see fit to do. That's a requirement for all of us. It's not my life anymore. He paid for it. He bought it with a price. The price of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we're to pray for those others that by God's marvelous grace, listen, for us that are saved, we know the only thing that saved us is God's grace. And for those that have hardened their hearts, have been stubborn and rebellious, that do not love the Lord or not followers of Jesus, all we can do is pray that God would extend His grace to them. Now look, when I preach, when I go through the prayer list, when, when I preach, all I can do with what I see is pray. 
that God would save souls. May God bless you. You've been so patient, so kind this morning.